With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your hosts, Mick Moran and Jay Pearson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cop by Podcast. I'm Mick, and I'm joined as usual once by Jay. But we've got a very spe- special podcast today. We're joined by a former pro who played in his home of Norway, Austria, Germany, and of course, England, with a five year spell for Swindon, Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, and Barnsley. Won 71 caps for Norway, scoring 20 goals. He now works in the media, and you can often see him pitch side in the Champions League. It's, of course, Jan Fjortoft. Welcome, Jan. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. How's lockdown for you? How's it going? Well, I mean, a guy who is used to travel all the time. I've been more home in six weeks now than I've been for the last six years. So, uh, still married. Uh, but that was the last time I checked, by the way. So, I'm not sure. But it's... Uh, it's uh, 9.30 in Norway now, so uh, yes. at 9.30, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we obviously t- touched on just before we started recording, what your podcast is that po- called Pod Save the Ball? Is that something you've always had an interest in, or is it kind of been a catalyst because of this whole lockdown scenario? Has that been brought on because of that? I think it's both. I mean, what is interesting now is when I, when I grew up, when I played in England, the journalists, uh, I got a fax after every game. So they said, please, please give us a call. I mean, so things are changing. I have my first iPhone when I was 27. So things are, are changing in, in, in the world around us. And I always wanted to do a podcast, but it was actually my son who, who started with his podcast, a podcast called BroPod. And then he came home because he's playing in Scotland and he came home and he said, Dad, we got to do it now. And, and then I said, yeah, we'll do it if you were my co-host. And I, I always wanted to do 
basically when I'm off around different pitches in England or at Anfield or in, in Munich, there's always things that could, could be discussed and things that I, I, people I've talked to. And, and I will also use my iPhone to, to small interviews when I meet different people. And the thing is, I'm 53 now, but I'm still, I, I get still very excited to be on a great pitches. I think it's, it's great to sit at Anfield in the press room and, when Sicko, of all people, just walking past us in the cafe there, and people don't notice. And I say, people, it's Sicko going there. And I'm, and I'm, I'm the guy who's running after him and I want to selfie and say hello to him. So hopefully I can get that into a pod save the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we've, we've listened to a couple of episodes so far, mate, and it's, uh, it's, it's really good content. Yeah, thank you very much, Andy. We'll, we'll try to do it better when, when I get, get on the road, and I, will, I think it's the main thing is to keep it, and I, I've, I've checked you guys up as well, and I think that you're all, it's all about to, to be authentic, that you're doing the, the real passion for what you're doing, and when I see you guys sitting there with all the shirts and all the things behind you, I mean, there's no doubt that this is an authentic podcast. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. thanks very much. I appreciate that, mate. It's uh, it's difficult, mate, because obviously I'm in the studio um, and Mick's obviously at home, and it, it's such a shame because we've I've, I've sort of changed the camera a little bit because we used to have the camera sort of towards this side of the room, and both of us are in the frame, and I just look at Mick's chair next to him, and it's just empty and it's just dead lonely, and I just need to get back in here. <laughs> And the problem is, of course, of uh, doing a different things on different TV channels. You always be on Zoom or you're on Skype or whatever. And th this problem is a double chin. So everybody's like sitting like this. So we'll try to do it like this. So, so hopefully the audio could be okay. Don't <laughs> about that. You're absolutely okay. I'm just... Yeah, okay. Your hair, Jan. Look at that, that, those locks off your head. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got, still got the desperate things from the 80s when I have the... In Norway, we call it the ice hockey cut because all ice hockey players from East Europe used to have that <laughs> cut. So I tried, I trained this morning, so I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> in fact, just, just touching on the ice hockey things, you watch, you watch, you still watch a lot of ice hockey? Is it, or is football just taking over your life? Well, I'm, I'm a sport maniac. I mean, what I did after my career, I, I went to Austria when I was 22, was, which was uh, quite young uh, to go abroad. And, and uh, what I learned in, in, in Austria is, was this thing between sport, culture, commercial, politics. And I knew that when I, when I finished football, my football career, I would work in those, in those areas. So what I do in Norway now, I've got a communication company that works around mostly Norway, but also different in Europe. But So one-fifth of it is football. And people ask me, yeah, did you, would you want, like to do more football? And I, but mo basically, I take a lot of things that I've learned from football into my commercial things because that building into that team feeling, that uh, uh, respect for each other, although you have different maybe uh, levels, skills, nationality, and so on. So so I love my sport. Uh, I uh, In Norway, our... Let's say our cricket, you have your cricket. Our cricket is cr cross country, uh, which n normally when we have that, we have the, the eight first positions are Norwegians, uh, where we still love it. Uh, and uh, ice, ice hockey, I, I watch a bit. Uh, we have the Swedes and the Finns, they have a lot of uh, in the National Hockey League, of course, but we got one. Uh, and I won't say he's a mate, but he's a friend of mine, a guy called Matt Zuccarello, uh, a friend in terms that I, I know him so 
good enough to w- visit him and watch games. And he played for New York Rangers for eight, nine years. And that was a great, great experience to see him play there. So, so I love my sport, um, being Nor- Norwegian sport or, or um, sports abroad. Yeah, fair play. I love my ice hockey. I, I, I'm disappointed when the, the season finished, but obviously it's finished for good reasons, obviously. But yeah, I can't wait to, to watch the NHL again, mate. So it's a good sport. And we, I could talk about that all day, but we're not talking about that today. So sorry. No, no exactly. Anyway, Jan, we, um, like I touched on that at the start of the podcast, um, you spent a good portion of your, of your, your life and your career in some of the, the biggest leagues in the world. What was it for you that drew you to the, the media side of football rather than like coaching or management? I know you do other stuff in football, not just the media, but what was it that drew you more to, to, to the media side rather than coaching? Well, I think that a lot of, uh, a lot of footballers uh, will go into coaching because that, that is a skill you know. Uh, and there are, there are different footballers who will sit in the dressing room all their life and they won't pick up one thing. And then there are others that you know are destined to be coaches. And then you have someone middle in between because I played with some of the Premier League Norwegians uh, in, my, in the national team and, and you just knew that they're going to be coaches. And then there are others you thought, wow, will they be coaches as well? But, but I, I, I never... I, I, I've been a sport director for Lillestrøm in Norway and, that was just, and, for, and for the national team. Uh, but that was just because I, I, that, those were the teams in Norway I loved most. So I would like to be a part of it again and kind of uh, remember the times I had I'm not the guy who will not be sleeping in the middle of the night because I got a new trick for a throw-in and how to, to go <laughs> forward. I'm, I'm more that the guy who, who likes to see sport in whole. Uh, what does it mean now with all the Germans coming to English football or the young Englishmen going to Germany? What's the consequences of that? What's the consequence of, of having FIFA, UEFA so far away from the football fans? What does it mean to have foreign owners in, in, in England, foreign coaches, foreign players, and so on. What does that do to the fans? I, I was always more interested in that firm to it. I, I can, and also, if you spent your whole life in a dressing room, and I, and I only speak for myself, because there's a lot of people who love to, to be there till, till they die, more or less. And, but I, I always, I was enough. I, I can still do my jokes. I can do, still do my banters in the other areas. Uh, it was great. I worked for three, four years ago. I worked uh, as a manager or a sports director for the Norwegian national team. But it was great to be in the dressing room again. But, but after two years, I kind of, well, Jan, you have done this for all your life. Uh, and I would like to do uh, other areas of, of the game. Yeah, fair play. Of course. And obviously, what like you're doing now, you're doing like pitch side reporting for the, for the Champions League. And we've, we've, we've all seen some of your your great interviews over the years, especially with the likes of Jürgen Klopp, of course. And to me, your style of questioning um, is quite unique because I feel like in England we're a bit neglected in terms of pundits and uh, interviewers. Obviously, we've got some of the classics like John Motton and Guy Lineker and people like that. But in terms of like pundits, I think we're lacking quite a bit. So when we can, when we see foreign channels and we can see people like yourself interviewing managers where the style's quite unique and it's interesting. The questions that get asked are quite insightful and get a nice response. Is that something you had to work on in terms of in, in terms of that or did that just come naturally to you? Well thanks thanks for the for the nice words. Uh, well uh, what I did after my my football career first I started in a kind of BBC of Norway and I wasn't a normal pundit but I also 
felt that it was very important for me to to have the credibility beyond being a former footballer. So I did my coaching stuff just to have that credibility kind of thing. And then, but, but I, and then I started off to be a host. For, I, I was a host for Champions League for, for eight seasons. Uh, but then when I, when I went pitch side, I, I felt that, well, you, you have to build up a reputation there as well. There's a lot of footballers, former footballers, who go from being a footballer to a pundit. And I think that they forgot why they were so good as footballers. It was because they trained a lot. And I think that, first of all, the pundits need to train. The pundits need to be sure about who they are. Uh, it's, it's not just turning up there. And I, you can see pundits who are prepared. So I think whatever style you choose, you have to be prepared. You have to understand the game. Uh, in terms of when, you, when I do the, the managers and the players, I think my, my strength is that I, I, I'm wondering things and I dare to ask them because uh, there is a lot of, I think there's a lot of interviews and I've been, I've been on both sides of the camera and I, and I, can, and I can see someone just asking a question to, to look good for other of the college, colleagues. But I, I would like to take fans, try to think of, if I do Jurgen Klopp, I would think, well, he, first of all, is a very bad example because you could ask Jurgen Klopp about anything and sometimes <laughs> he, will, he, will, he will give you a fantastic lesson and Jurgen is, is different. But, but I think that you, you, you would like to be uh, beyond them. I remember I, I'm asked, I asked Mats Hummels, uh, defender now for Dortmund, and he went to Bayern Munich in the German defender. I asked him once, well, well, Matt, you you made a big mistakes in, in big mistake in the first half when you played Real Madrid. When you come into the dressing room there and you you look around in the dressing room, try to describe to us your feelings. And I think that and he he was nearly crying. And I was thinking, wow, maybe I, I nearly went too far. But but I think that the main thing is that if you're going to ask a question. Who cares how deep the number six is in team? You can see that yourself. I mean, in Norway, okay, now we have five million virus experts in Norway, but we used to have five million football experts, uh, and uh, they will probably be back very soon. But but I think that if you can go in there, get people or the fans go into the dressing room, and and try to relive that moment in the dressing room. Or what do you do there? And, and Jürgen, when, when I th first of all, Jürgen is quite interesting because Jürgen is so charismatic that for Jürgen, it's different than others. Because sometimes I feel with Klopp, you have to try to, to tell people how good he is to improve football players. And through his charisma and through his uh, uh, show-off or through his... Uh, outgoing style sometimes you forget that he is a hell of a great manager and if you see the Liverpool team with all the players I mean you define a coach how good are you by seeing how much you improve the players so you can improve a Messi or a, even a Ronaldo Ronaldo is a be better example because he's improved all his career so so I think it's it's my job is to to ask the questions that, that a fan want to know about. And, and sometimes that could be a simple question when, when you see two teams go out in the tunnel and they're standing there and then they're talking to each other, they're hugging each other, they're shaking hands to each other. Uh, and what does that mean? What, what, because when you're out there, you just tackle as fun, but for fun and you, you tough on each other. But, but, you know, that is also part of football. So, so I think that, uh, that is, that's, that's my main job. And, and, and then you are exception. You have a Mourinho 
who will come in and, or, or even a fangal. A fangal is the funniest I've interviewed because he's total pukoloko. Uh, but it still is a very great challenge to interview that guy as well. And then you have Jürgen Klopp that, that my record is two and a half minute answer. And uh, so there are <laughs> different characters. <laughs> That's one of the things I've always noticed about Klopp, and I'll, you know what what Mick said before about um, the pundits and stuff we've got. I mean, we've got the likes of Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville, which I think are yeah. they're so brilliant together. And I agree. It, I agree. You breed of, of what we've got, and and sort of Roy Keane's adding that dynamic as well. But you are right when Jurgen Klopp gets asked ask a question, whether it's by BT or Sky or whoever, he answers, and he, the answer can go on for minutes, and you're just like he's, he's he's just so passionate about every answer he gives. Even if you say, "How are you, Jurgen?" That answer can go on for five minutes, and he told you all about his week. And I mean, obviously, we can see that you're really, really good friends. I mean, for me personally, the the interview you did in Madrid, which has gone viral, where he started singing, "Let's talk about six, baby." And it's yeah, there are always a couple of people who can tell you, "Yeah, but you didn't win." So I know. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. That's a new song. <laughs> Can you just tell us about that moment? Because again, it was TV gold. It was brilliant. Yeah, uh, it's good. The uh, thing is with, 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 with Jürgen, I mean, Jürgen used to play in the in the junior uh, department of Eintracht Frankfurt. Not at the same time when I played there. But of course, you have that background. But it has to be said that Jurgen Klopp uh, is is a very, very special character. And sometimes you say that well, he's destined to be at Liverpool. But sometimes when you when you see his uh, background and you see what he did in Mainz, what he said in Dortmund, it's also how how clever he is to adjust to different clubs. And I think the, the great thing about Jurgen is that that he kind of he so quickly understand the mood of the people where he's where he's at and what he's done in Liverpool is 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 just amazing and he's just like you just feel that the two there's a match in heaven but but Jürgen yeah uh, the, the thing in the Champions League final what people don't know is that or maybe don't know is that in some sports that people are like queuing up and you're just waiting but you know who you get i have no clue after a champions league final or a champions league game who yeah. i get and i am level i will always i will always fight to bow my way because i'm i'm via saturn and nent will always be behind the big uh, americans the big english the big germans and then there are the host channels so so i gotta be there all the time and i'm a one-man orchestra so when I compete, and I always joke with BT Sport, they got like an army coming with, with the best players in the world that can help them out. I got Jamie, uh, which is which is great to have Jamie on my side. But in the in the flash zone, I'm all on my own. And after Champions League, it's especially very hard because the, the losing side they will be mourning. They will think this is the worst thing that can ever happen to them to talk, uh, to, uh, losing a Champions League final. And for the winner, of course, they want to share with the fans. They want to share among themselves. They want to share with the family. And it takes ages. And I've done many Champions League finals. And, and one year I got one interview. Another uh, Champions League final, I didn't get anyone. Well, I, I got one. I got one on the Liverpool legend. I got in Russian Ruud Gullit. It was not bad, but they, they, they both never played. Uh, <laughs> so, so I was waiting there. And... Um, the, the representative of UEFA, he's the guy who decides together with the head of communication of Liverpool uh, or, and, uh, and the, the player himself or the coaches. 
So waiting, you, you're standing there in the tunnel and you know there is a party going on outside. You know Liverpool is celebrating because you are watching that on the telly. So then I start going into a, one of the biggest negotiations I've ever had. And it was an Italian guy from the UF. I knew him, but still. And all the channels were standing around me and must be 30 channels. So I knew that it was important. I, I just wanted one. I, want, I wanted two, actually, but number one was Jürgen Klopp and I wanted uh, Oji uh, because there was a, suddenly on Instagram a photo of him going uh, walking around in Norway in the summer before the Champions I just wanted him because he's been so instrumental for you in the Champions League final. So I said to UEFA, have a look around. How many of these channels have been here since Champions League started? And he looked around and he said, uh, as you're asking me that question, I, I know the answer must be you, huh? uh, Nens. And I said, yeah, that's right, point one. Point two, who has been to every Liverpool game this season? Who has been there all the time to every game, whoever they played? And he said, again, well, as, as you asked me the question, it's probably you. And I said, exactly. Uh, and what you know Italians know about uh, loyalty, you know loyalty is very important in Italy, same as in Norway. So if I can get Jürgen first, that would be great because he would be in good mood and he would be comfortable around me and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we'll see what we can do. So then Jürgen come uh, with his long, goofy kind of running shoes, come through the tunnel and you can see that on the official video because he's hugging me when he comes in. But that is just a hug. Uh, and uh, I'm, oh, dear God, how much we miss hugging now these days. But he's coming <laughs> up uh, in the tunnel and he's and he hugging me. And I congratulate him to, to winning. And then they go together, Jurgen Klopp, the head of communication of Liverpool, and then UEFA. And then they said, what are we going to do? And I heard BSAT and Rivers. And then he suddenly came to me. So, uh, so I had him first. And, um, and Jurgen came and he was in fantastic mood. And he, to be fair to him, he's been celebrating for 30 minutes and he is in a fantastic mood. And then he, uh, then I asked him some one of the questions because Jürgen as well, you need to get into that uh, funky yeah. soul move uh, kind of thing that we, we all love him and as you Liverpool fans love. And then he starts singing and, and if you listen to the, the text, I'm singing a bit in the, in the, in the, at the start to get him going. But then I understand, thank God in heaven, that I can't sing. So I, I just go back a bit, but it's still my lips are singing with him because the main thing there is to get Jürgen to, to sing the whole song. And uh, when he's finished, this is a long story that will be ended, but when, when he's finished, uh, then he's finished, he's going, he's going away and he goes to another interview. So he goes to Bean Sport or whatever. And, uh, and I know, as you know, that this is gold. This is fantastic. So I'm standing there with my, my handy. And I, and I hope this goes live in Norway that we are in. But then we were, and, and I'm and I texting my producer back in Norway because sometimes, or, or once in my 10 years time, we missed an interview. It just disappeared in the fucking sky. And I, it was gone. It was gone. And I thought, if this is gone, I will never do this again. And, and I was waiting. What are you doing? What are you doing? And, and then the producer said, yeah, we'll get it soon because we, we have some uh, adverts. And Yeah, but I have, this is a great interview. I'll have a look at it. And then I'm waiting and waiting. This is the longest three, four minutes in my life. And then, then, and then I knew when, when everything, I get like 100 SMS, people were going ballistic and... And, and the epilogue of that story is that when he was finished, 
doing the interview with me, he went to Bain Sport and I was so excited and, and I, I would I'd just make sure that everything was on Norwegian telly. Then, then I asked my colleague, how was it when he came to you? What, what do you mean? No, uh, no, it was quite normal. Uh, normal? He was singing uh, at Norwegian TV and he said, you bugger. And uh, so that was, that was a great, great experience. Fucking brilliant. I love that. I just... Uh... I think is that not just a testament to the friendship that you have that you have with Jurgen because obviously, like you said, you've known him for quite a while. So, I I personally think that Jurgen, when I've seen him interview the same people, you can tell who he likes to talk to, and you're definitely one of those people who he would prefer to talk to. You can you can see it in his in his, in his bloody face. Well, 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 maybe, but I think that the main thing for a manager, and, and, and to be fair to, to Jürgen and some other manager, even Arsene Wenger is another different personality, but they're also very professional. So Jürgen, uh, there is a lot of managers who just say, F off if you, if you lost the game, but Jürgen will still do, he will maybe do five instead of eight. But, but I think what everybody needs to know that you, you don't want, you don't need to harm them. You, you don't, you're not any harm there. I'm not out to criticize. Uh, basically, for Nent, uh, which we call now, or used to be called Viasat, we are there to kind of uh, describe the feeling after a game. Uh, so so I, I want to hear from Jürgen how, how how the game was uh, uh, in his opinion i can have my opinion of the game but i shouldn't do that in 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 the interview i, I think that should be done in the studio by the pundits my job is to describe uh, his opinion i can have my i had a thing with guardiola the other way around i asked him the same question three times I, and i had a bit problem uh, uh, this is a year ago and i i asked him um, how how do you make the players uh, be on so many different cup, uh, league cup, FA Cup, Champions League, and the league. And he said sleeping. And I said, yeah, well, except sleeping. Uh, why do you do that? And he said sleeping and uh, drinking water or something. And I, I kept on going. So afterwards, I had to talk to the to the head of communication. He said, we well, said to Guardiola, you asked him the same question. I said, yeah, but he didn't answer, and so on and so on. So, 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 I, so I, I think sometimes you also have to respect the managers. Yeah. Uh, you have to find a balance between being harsh right after a game or try to describe things. And there, there are pundits who have another job, the interviews have another job. But I think that, I think that with Jürgen and, and some others, they, they, they know that I don't want to harm them. Uh, and sometimes I get him. Uh, and uh, there are also occasions that I don't get him because other channels are going to get them. But, but dear God, how I miss that to be pitch side now. I mean, we, I, think, I think that is the main thing now, although and the main thing now is to, to, to get the, the number of people dying is like enormous, and especially in UK, and hope, hopefully you all stay safe. But I think that in the moment we get football going again, and there is a lot of talking about that is all the greedy football clubs and greedy TV channels who wants that to go. Yeah, maybe so. But it's also a sign of the society that we get together again, uh, and I and I feel and I'm, I'm and I I feel sorry that that uh, especially for Liverpool now uh, and also Leeds United. Uh, I know that is an enemy of your guys, but Leeds always want to be want to yeah, want to be back in the Premiership. So so all these things that not, not only on that we miss sport, but I think that we all miss to be together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, you, you're not just, like you said, you, 
sometimes technically you are working on your own on, the, on those types of places but every every stadium you go to you know people there there's friends there and you're absolutely right young let's just we, we want to get this uh get this back on as, as soon as possible what well, obviously when it is safe to do so i mean we're quite biased in the way we yes we want the season to finish i mean granted if we can only play two more games when we get uh the, you know the points necessary to have the title officially then brilliant but yeah it's it, it's one of those things right let's just get, we'll get it finished and Let's just do it uh, when it's safe. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the, the the made. I mean, it is is interesting now because as we speak, you know, yesterday the France cancelled their season. Uh, Germany are about to start all over again, and well, maybe the sixteenth of May. They are very optimistic. They think of ninth of May. We see slowly the English teams are coming back to training. Uh, the Spanish league, even the Spanish league, uh, are are discussing how to come back. And I think that in the DNA of football, uh, yes, uh, we we leave that discussion. Is football more important than than testing and and getting the death rate in the society? Of course not. But now we're discussing football. I think that we we need to finish that season. And if that means that we have to go into August, September just to finish that season and just start all over with a new season, so so be it. Because I think that is the DNA of football. And then the national team uh, is important, but now we just have to wait because that we can do later. In even Champions League, we can find a way to play as, play it as, as they do in ice hockey or handball. We can find a, find a way to, to get the Champions League uh, at the end uh, and... Uh, but I'm sure that Liverpool will get a get a title, and I hope Liverpool will get a title when when all games are are played mm-hmm. to void the season. I, I think that will well. They didn't. They did that in the Second World War. I mean, we we will find way to do it. And but let's just hope that the death rate's going down because it's uh, we can't play football when people are dying around us uh, mm-hmm. in those numbers. And you see in Germany now they have kind of. Knockwood, they've they've got a good control of of the thing as we have in Norway now, and that's why we're discussing it. Yeah, and obviously we we all want to to commence when it's safe to do so. But um, in in terms of Liverpool, when, when we do start get going and the transfer window does eventually open, there's a certain uh, Timo Werner name that's floating around. Obviously, we're a we're a Liverpool. FC fan channel, so we, we, we've, we've got to ask you about that one. He's obviously one of the best the best talents in Germany. Uh, we've seen your interview with him when he, he called Liverpool one of the best teams in the world. And he said he was very proud to be linked, which was obviously music to every Liverpool fan's ears, I'm sure. He's reportedly got a 52 million release clause, but how much do you think he's likely to join Liverpool? Well, Quite coincidentally, and I talked about that in the podcast for Save the Ball, there are, there are four, the four biggest kind of uh, players on the market now that we know on the market is Kai Havertz of, uh, uh, of, of Leverkusen and is uh, Sané of Manchester City and is Timo Werner and uh, uh, Arbe Leipzig and Sancho. Of, of Dortmund and the funny thing is about speculations and I, and I and I tried to describe this in a tweet because I spoke when I was in Dortmund I spoke to two people was very into that been for ages in Dortmund and one said just as you know Jan Sancho is going to Liverpool it's 100% and I talked to the people uh, 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 at, at Dortmund he will go to Liverpool 
And because of this and that and Klopp and Batske, they are good friends and so on and so on. So then I speak to his colleague to get this confirmed because I can't do it. And he said, now he's going to Manchester United, 100%. And I spoke to a guy inside and that, that's all about speculation, isn't it? Yeah. The, thing is, the thing is with Timo Werner, it's, it's not, not the fact that, well, he's a fantastic, great talent, but it's also... When, when you play for RB Leipzig and in, do, and in great respect for RB Leipzig because they're, they're well, we can discuss Red Bull uh, from here into heaven, but, but still they are very good organized. Right. What they've achieved in Germany is, is amazing and they've got great philosophy to develop players. But still, a player who's played for RB Leipzig, you, you know at one stage he would like to play for the best in Europe, or meaning the best in the world. So could he go to Bayern Munich? Uh, first of all, all German players will all, always think this is a bit different than in, in, in England. It's not, no Liverpool players will think, oh, we'll go to Manchester United or opposite over the, in, in a generation, more or less. And, um, and, uh, and Timo Bernard, he was told by Bayern Munich that now we, we have a Lewandowski and we think you are too good to be sitting around on a bench. Then now they have a new coach called Hans Flick. And Hans Flick said, well, it's no problem. I can find a way to get him into the team. He can play left outside, right outside. He, he can play around Lewandowski. And so, so Bayern Munich will probably on again uh, to try to get him. But, but we know that they are very into uh, Leroy Sané. As we're speaking today, just before... Uh, before I, I got on with you guys, uh, uh, I, I read from a very uh, sourceable, a great source that, that Hans Flick has talked 30 minutes for Leroy Sané. So I can't see them taking Sané and Werner. I can see they're taking Sané and Havertz, who is, uh, who is a great midfielder, kind of Balak kind of type, type of player. The, the reason I started thinking that was very interesting with Timo Werner to Liverpool is, of course, the connection Jürgen got to, uh, to, um, to Germany. And secondly, that we should never underestimate the pulling power of a manager. Yeah. Uh, of my standard, when I remember when Brian Robson called me, he was the manager of Middlesbrough and I was at Swindon. It was when he came to Rub. I would I probably said yes. And we remember that with Kenny Dalgleish when he was at Blackburn. And suddenly he, he got Shira, he got Chris Sutton, and he got a lot of players going there. And you know, in, in well, we, well, we say for all of us, money is important, but we also want to have fun. We also want to improve as player and players. And and Dortmund and Liverpool and, and some great clubs, they got the pulling power of their stadium, the atmosphere, the history. But it's also important to have the pulling power of a manager. And for a German player to play for Jurgen Klopp, that is, that is target number one. He will, he, Timo Werner would love to do that. And then secondly, uh, I think that what Liverpool has been so good at over the years, and I grew up, and I'm born in 67, so when I grew up, and you tend to take the teams, we have the match of the day, and, and English teams, when I started reading tables, it was Leeds United. And I, had a, yeah, and I had a lot of people around me who supported Liverpool, of course. And I remember when Liverpool sold Kevin Keegan. That was one of the greatest days in my life because I thought, oh, they're selling Kevin Keegan. They will start losing games. And then what did I do? They signed a guy called Kenny Dalglish. So it was even better for Liverpool. And so if Liverpool, can there be now a situation... Corona has changed a lot. This, this, uh, this uh, analysis is based on what, what we did before uh, Corona. 
But could there be a, a stage where the, where the three amigos, the great, great players you have up front, the Maneo, Firmino and, and Salah, could, if you win, well, you won the Champions League, you won the, the World Cup for clubs, you, you win in the Premier, Premier League, could there then be the, the right time maybe sell one of them? Uh, maybe another one will think that he will go to another country, experience something else. So who could then be the guy who come in? And, and that could be Timo Werner. And then we spoke to people in Germany and they said that Timo Werner would love to play for Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Liverpool, uh, we knew that through different angles, have, have checked that out. Uh, and then, of course, we had an interview when he kind of said, please come and get me. Uh, I would love to play for Liverpool Football Club. And, and I was amazed because, uh, yeah, I had a plan. I had a great plan. I wanted Timo Werner. And Jürgen, I just wanted him for that interview. And the, the head of communication of Arbe Leipzig, she let me interview him. Because if you interview an English player or a, or a player playing in England, they, they will watch out what you ask people. So they will kind of pull you in the jacket and everything. But, but the, this woman of, of Leipzig just got me going. So, but all analyzers now, it's, it's so hard to say what will happen in, in post-corona. Uh, will the, will the 52 million euro for Timo Werner before the virus sound like a good deal? Very good deal. And now coming out of this, when do we start? What, what does that do to, to, to the, the funds available? The, the owners in America, how much are they hurt by the corona, and so on and so on. Or, or maybe Leipzig would say, we have to sell our best players. I had Mikkel Beck, who is now an agent who played for Middlesbrough and in, in, in back in the days, and he said that maybe big clubs need to sell players just to get them going. Mm. It's so yeah. interesting. Sorry, Mick. The, the, there was a in the where it had to happen in April, didn't it? Before corona, there was a deal that for Werner that had to happen in April um, beforehand and like you said it, it's changed everything now and it's it, it's going to change football forever I, I, that's what I believe um, but go on sorry mate you no it was just, I was just going to ask obviously you touched on there Jan if if he went to Bayern where where would we fit to them and obviously then you touched on our amazing front three of Salah, Mane, Firmino do you think one of them would have to leave? Would that would that have to be? Would that have to happen? Or would 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 Werner come in and try and ply his trade and try and? I don't know how much you know, but would would he be happy to work his way into the team eventually? Would, would that, is that the type of character he is? I think that's a, that that is the pitch of uh, of Jurgen. How does how does the things things go around? I mean, <laughs> it's amazing because because. This has changed so much. I mean, there will be players now that will be very happy what they've got. They've got a job. Of course, the big stars like the three you mentioned there will, will, will kind of, they will find clubs. But even, even Barcelona and the Real Madrid, uh, PSG, you know, they have to think of what they're planning. I mean, they're canceling the whole season in France. That, that doesn't help for, for anyone. You just got a feeling, and I'm not saying that because uh, I have no idea, and this is just based on my speculation, but, but I'm just, just thinking of, of Salah. Take Salah. I mean, unbelievable career. Uh, uh, maybe one of the most influential people in the world in terms of his religion, in terms of, of his position as an Egyptian. A fantastic man for Liverpool. But you just get a feeling that uh, will a man stay there forever? And then on the other hand, now uh, post-corona, maybe he will. 
maybe he will see that, well, he will see what he's got. Uh, yeah. and, and my club in Germany is Eintracht Frankfurt. And you see some young players, Jovic, who was a great, great striker. And he played fantastic last year. And he came to Real Madrid and, and he's struggling to go there. And, and I think that people will, will see what they've got now. Uh, so I think that will, will be a big change. And, but, but I think that when you see coming into a new season, if, if, we, if we start off well, you need you need competition for your places. Uh, uh, I mean, um, please forgive me to talk about Sir Alex Ferguson on, on your podcast, but still, but still, <laughs> what he, what he managed at Manchester United, he said he always kept the competition hard for his places. If there was someone like Yapstam or Ruud van Nistelrooy or Roy Keane that kind of went out of order, he just fucked them off, didn't he? And I'm not saying that Liverpool yeah. players will do that because I think the team atmosphere at Liverpool is fantastic and that is one of the main strengths of Liverpool Football Club. But you need competition for places. Jürgen Werner is a young German. If he got a chance to Liverpool, uh, he should go to Liverpool. I think that uh, I think that to go abroad to play, that broaden your prospect as a, as a human being, uh, and even as a, uh, even as a player, and uh, I mean to to have Anfield as your home ground, I think that must be what must be the dream of most footballers. Uh, and uh, so I think Liverpool have got a great chance to get him again, analysed based on uh, Corona before Corona. Yeah, and obviously one of my questions I was going to ask you was could Liverpool sign Werner and Sancho, but. Obviously, with the, with the, with this whole Corona, it's 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 highly very unlikely now. And yeah. in terms of, as well. <laughs> in terms yeah, of but, Sancho, but, yeah, but I think that yeah. I think there's a, there's a big chance that Sancho will go back to England, uh, yeah. and um, sometimes I think that a lot of the speculation in media and fans should know about that because a lot of the speculations in media and, and sometimes I'm a, I'm a, and a part of this, I try to base it on sources, but maybe. Sometimes the sources, like I, I, I gave it an example from Dortmund when I have two great sources and they said it, the different things. <laughs> but, but sometimes that that Sancho is more likely to go back to England, I think that is, and Sané going to Germany, that, that yeah. makes sense uh, that they want to, to go back. Werner need to ne- make the, the next step. But, but I can't see when you have three of, three of the best attackers in the world uh, up front, you won the Champions League and you won the Premiership. That you will, I mean, in in a in a in a in an ideal world, you you will try to go for both of them. But I but I can't see you go for for both of them. And uh, Sancho will be unbelievable expensive. And maybe then Dortmund will think that well, well, we try to keep in another year because of that the price will go down now. Uh, Having said that, I mean, the, the thing is with Sancho, and, and that's why I think that he's so, much, uh, he's so much linked to Manchester United. It doesn't have to be that they are closest to get him, but I think that as an analyzer of Manchester United that used to have, they're a global club, but they don't have global players. And a, a global club like Manchester United need to have some great, great players. They've had that since the, the days of the, the 58 team with and Bobby Charles and George Best, and then over the great generations they've had, the class of 92, and so on, and so on, and so on. So they need that kind of players. I think that Liverpool will more go after the players that they need. Uh, and uh, I think that Jurgen Klopp has spent uh, a lot of this lockdown to analyse his team. What he's, he's hungry for more. He knows that next season will be, be, be hard again. 
uh, it's been hard this season as well, but somehow they managed Liverpool managed to run away with the champion, championship this year, which is un- unbelievable. So, so I think that will be based on what kind of player do we need, how long will I can I keep the, the three up front, and and to be fair to Liverpool, the last year have been very good at see. Okay, we need a big defender. Okay, we get Van Dijk. We need a a, a great goalkeeper, and then we get Allison. So Liverpool been unbelievable good at kind of analyze what kind of players we need and and then they've got him yeah I, th- I think obviously that that's the main thing why Liverpool doing so well recently obviously since Klopp came in like you said he's got this philosophy and ideology of pinpointing who he wants specifically and then not settling for anybody but that person so I think that's obviously why we're doing so well, and obviously, and we don't want to keep you too long, so we've only got two more questions. Okay, <coughs> just want I'm to move on. I've got a Jurgen Club of podcast today. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> just want to move on a little bit to, um, <clears throat> to obviously, I t- touched on at the top of the podcast <clears throat> your um, your Norwegian career, and you've got 71 caps, scoring 20 goals. But how much of a force do you feel Norway could be in the future? Obviously, you've got the likes of. Haaland and Odegaard and Sander, Sanderberg and Christopher Ayer. How much of a force do you think that type of team can be going into future tournaments? Well, I think well, the first meeting I had when I was the manager of the national team, I came into them and said, uh, uh, I introduced myself uh, and I said, when I used to play for this national team, we were second in the FIFA ranking. Uh, I had no pressure, uh, but I said... Uh, also, that uh, the good news for you guys is that you have more talent than we had. Because we had uh, a small nation like Norway, uh, like Belgium and Austria, Switzerland. We need generations. I mean, it's important in England as well. You've had some great generations as well, and you have a good, good generation coming up now. But still, you've got more players to pick from. We, we need to have that, that generation come through. In, in, in the, um, in, when, when we were good at in, in the 90s, we, we had a, a the 69 generation, uh, and we had with Stig Ingebjörnby, as you know, uh, Leonards and two Liverpool players, and, and Lars Bohin, and they were the same age, and there were some of us who were two couple of years older, and, and so on. Now we have a good generation, so like you said, you mentioned four of them there, and what they have in common, Ayer and Berger and Erdogan and Holland, is that they've got a fantastic attitude. They, they want to improve, they love their football. The, the main thing for Norway is that, first of all, we are so vulnerable if, if someone one gets injured. Uh, they'll be vulnerable. We are vulnerable if they don't play in their team, if they are out match business. We don't have the, the great replacement. And then we are struggling a bit at the back. We don't have too many defenders. And we kind of built our, uh, built our national team by being very good defensively, good at counter-attacks, good at dead balls and all that kind of thing. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm slightly optimistic. Uh, we, we should have played now in March, end of March, we should have played the, uh, the semi-final uh, of the National League. Uh, that has to be postponed, uh, of course, delayed. We're going to play Bosnia, and then we have to play the, the winner of uh, Scotland against Israel. So uh, both home games there should be, but it didn't happen, it was not to be. So, so I'm optimistic. Uh, I hope that uh, this balance in the team will, will kind of be a bit better. 
but we need to be good organized. We need to, and we have a old Swede called Lagerbeck who did that for Sweden. He did that for Iceland. So I think that we, we can be optimistic about our future. But then again, as a small nation, very, very vulnerable. I mean, we, we obviously, as Liverpool supporters, I think a lot of Liverpool fans that grew up in the in the 80s, 90s and saw the, the early 2000s of, of Norway, have, we'd always have a soft spot for Norway because we'd have, like I said, we have Bjorn of Bailey and Ardson and obviously John Arnarisa as well. And I, I, I personally would like to see Norway back at, at big time, especially the likes of Haaland. He, he's, a, he's a player that needs to be performing on those, on those world stages. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that happens. So go on, Mick. Hit you on with the final question. Might be a tough one. Yeah, so Jan, we didn't I usually prompt our guests before we start <clears throat> before we start. If you could pick an ultimate five aside team with players that you played with. Oh, that's pick? a good one. And it need to be one goalkeeper. It's up to you. Yeah, it's up to you. You can, you can, uh, go yeah, with, you can, have, you can have five strikes if you want, including yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I play with, not against, with. No, with, yeah, with. Yeah, yeah well, uh, then we have to do it. Um, the candidates, I started off in, um, in Rapid Vienna. There was a, a midfielder called Andreas Herzog, who played for Werder Bremen and Bayern Munich. He will be a candidate. Uh, at Swindon, I had. Well, he's, I, I, I'm not sure that Nicky Samaby would be the best five-a-side player, but he was a fantastic crosser of the ball. Mm -hmm. So he, he needs to be a, a candidate. Then I went to Middlesbrough, and there was the best player I've ever played with. That was Juninho. So I have to put Juninho in there. And just because I need some flair around my team, I need to have Vanelli in there. As he scored three goals against Liverpool in his first game, <laughs> so I need him. Uh, and then I went to Sheffield United. Yeah, I got some good players there as well with Brian Dean and the likes of, of different things. So, so I think I will go. Um, uh, I will go. I will go. Andreas Herzog, uh, 100 caps for Austria, played in Werder Bremen by Munich, did ever so well. Juninho Ravanelli. Uh, myself, of course, because I need just, I just, just stand up there and stamp them in, stamp them in. Uh, and I need, I need, I will take one from the Norwegian national team, and uh, I could put the goalkeeper in goal could be Eric Torstvedt who was at uh, Tottenham, but I have to take our captain, uh, Rune Bratz, that he was, uh, he was a fantastic player of a generation, one of the best uh, centre halves of his generation, although he just played for. Not just because he won the European Cup, but but he wasn't that famous around Europe because Werder Bremen was not the, the biggest name. So I have to play uh, Rune Bratzett in there. I've probably forgot someone, but uh, I think that would be my five-a-side team. Perfect. Well, I think um, with the end of, with the, the the interviews that we've done over the last couple of weeks, there's been some strong five-a-sides. But I'm telling you now, with the likes of Avonel and Janino in there and yourself, this is very strong five-a-side. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, for joining us. We really appreciate the time as well, um, and we would absolutely be honoured if you if you'd come back on. Um, oh, yeah, pleasure! It'd be wonderful if you could. So yeah, thanks for having me on, and all the best. And hopefully, you'll find a way to both end the season as uh, winning the winning the title 
but I'm more wondering how you're going to celebrate that with that space and lockdown. So you have to put like 100 or 1 million Liverpool fans on Zoom would be quite interesting. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. we'll find a way, mate. We'll find a way. If not, we'll have a big belated party. Make sure you get yourself over to Liverpool when that happens. I will. Thank you, boys. Take care. Cheers, John. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. See you later. Podcast Network.